Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from down under outside Brisbane in Australia. It's episode 121 of the Primetime Jukebox. Tonight, we celebrate Black History Month with a large album archaeology going with Beyonce's masterpiece, Lemonade. And as always, the Primetime Jukebox is sponsored by... Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand is consistently known to highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco, has been carefully hand selected, and are well aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel aged wrappers with thick high priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Scott is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo 30th Anniversary, Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Albano Bourbon Barrel Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Immenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at PerdomoCigars.com. And we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age, the cigars of Cuba the leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who in a son who store brought their very own brand to market and each contained that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra. And each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for JRE Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And we want to mention Altidus USA. Elevate your humidor with Altidus USA cigars. Explore top-rated classics like the H. Upman Banker Day Trader, Trinidad Espiritu Series Number no. 1, Monte Cristo 1935 Anniversary Edition Diamante, and the Aging Room Quattro Nicaragua Sonato, all boasting a stellar 93 rating from Cigar Aficionado. Light up, relax, and savor every puff of excellence. And finally, by Drew Estate, Dark, Bold, and Unapologetic, Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The All Maduro Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Whoa, welcome everybody. This is Primetime Jukebox episode 121. This is a post-big uh, game edition, uh, mm. post-Super Bowl edition. 
We're actually uh, recording this the day after the big game. Uh, this is uh, Will Cooper. I'm in the Perdomo Scar Studios, and I'm joined uh, on that other side of the planet by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Dave Burke. Hello, Coop. How's it going? Going good. I want to make a prediction before we even get, because we have a lot to talk about, oh, but Jesus. I don't want this to get we lost. Have a lot. Oh, we just read the Drew Estate ad. Yeah. I am predicting that the Freestyle Live Cigar is the next Metallica Blackened Cigar. Okay. I am I am stone cold lead pipe locking it. I'm pushing my cards Ooh. to the middle of the table here. Anyone wants in can get in, otherwise get out. I am convinced. I smoked oh, that thing, and there's no other way it could be anything else but a blackened. So I don't know what it's going to be called, but I think it's the blackened Connecticut they're doing. So, okay, yeah, and the I mean it would make it's, sense. It's, it's bolder. It was just too bold to be anything else, and I just I don't think it was a Liga. So I don't think it's a Liga Pravada. That's why. And I don't think it's a Nika Rustica. So I, I, I think Blacken's where it fits. I think it's the home. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure uh, I'll probably, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm confident on this. I'm not going to say I'm wrong. I think I'm right on this one. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to try and uh, track it down. I uh, I mean, it would make sense. If they're looking at all the success, say like Knuckle Sandwich had with all of its different variations and stuff that you would extend that line because it's quite popular yeah i could see them doing s72 which is season 72 and yeah. on the freestyle live package there's a lot of black and gold like adornments on it which matches that metallica album like yeah, almost yeah. to the t deep yeah now i thought maybe I, well, they did hey. that to throw us off the track but when i smoked that cigar i just don't see them putting a mild creamy connecticut for the blackened Connecticut, mm, <laughs> or you know, and, no. it's, and it's not a mild creamy Connecticut. It's, no. it's, it's a pretty ballsy cigar, in my opinion. Mm. Well, good guess then. I mean, we'll have to we'll have to see, but yep, yep. So we'll see, but we have a lot. Um, we have a lot of show. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot. This was this was a long show beforehand. Oh yeah, uh, because we're going to be doing a, a big album archaeology tonight uh, on Lemonade, which I'm very uh, excited that we had the opportunity Ooh, to do this. I'm very excited yeah. as well. Yeah, and, I'll, and I'll, when we get into the background, I'll tell you why I'm excited about this too, because it's it's something we've talked about for a long time. But boy, but we not have just a, that. Oh, go yeah. ahead, Coop. No, we have a lot going on. I was going to say, yeah. I was going to tell. I was going to say, like, you know, these notes before the Super Bowl were, you know quite manageable but then like so much music news dropped at the super bowl it's just insane yeah there was a lot of music news that dropped um and there was a lot that dropped over the weekend on top of that so um like some of it we're not even probably gonna be able to get to in depth today but there was a lot um that happened uh and we actually the Grammys actually happened too. So I haven't scored. A, yeah, I haven't scored those yet. So I, I someone we we probably have to score them out. But I have a. But we have. So there's a lot. Like I said, a lot going on here with this. Yeah. Well, let's just jump into music news. Yep. Um, unless you have a uh, Super Bowl thoughts, I thought the game was kind of. I wanted to take a nap until like the fourth quarter and overtime. Um. So yeah, let's. Here's the thing, and I was saying, I thought it was, I like a good defensive game. I didn't think that was a great defensive game for three quarters. I thought it was just, um, I don't think it was the worst Super Bowl per se, but it, it was the, it reminded me of the Steelers uh, Cardinals Super Bowl like about 15 years ago where mm. it got going in the fourth quarter, and this was a really good one in, in the fourth quarter. Um, but you and I were texting, and I said, but Andy Reid was just shooting himself in the foot, dumb penalties. <laughs> Dumb, uh, 
just dumb. They were fall- I texted just Coop. I said Kansas City is self-destructing. Yeah, like, they were falling apart. And then, and then you saw Kelsey go up and basically get in Andy Reid's face. And, and oh. I said, and I said to you, Dave, I said, could you imagine if LeBron James did that to his coach Darvin Ham in the NBA Finals? Oh, they would oh. be, they would be calling for LeBron James's head, forty-game suspension, five hundred thousand dollar fine. I said they better. I, something should happen. Kelsey should they be fined. So Kelsey should get a fine. And and guess what? I have no problem with the big fine. This is a big stage that that happened in. They and, ha- or at least I mean I was telling Coop before if the NFL yeah. doesn't do it, the team's gotta because you just can't go up and you, you start can't do that. You, you can't do that. I mean, and there's a double standard in the NFL because no one said no one said well you know no one's talked about this. And you made no. a point they won on top of that. Yeah, well that's what does it. Is you win and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. Odell Beckham, man, you Odell Beckham did this oh. the Rams a couple years ago to Sean McVay. Oh. Oh, the oh the, the tragedy. People would want him locked up. Yeah. They would that's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, they yeah, they gotta do something. I mean I was texting Coop too, like in the third quarter. I'm like, can they put Usher back on? He's my MVP. So I saw a lot on Usher. And a lot of it so you and I think have a little bit of a difference. I didn't I I, I gave it a six out of ten. Okay. Right. Think, which is not a bad score, okay? Um I didn't think it was I didn't think it was elite an elite level performance. I didn't think it was a disaster either. But I thought no. it was a solid performance. By the way, I got I got a couple of the collabs right. You did. I got the Will I Am one right. I think you I did. Had, I got what was the other one I had right? I think I think as a group we got Ludacris and Alicia Keys. Yeah, we called we. I know we mentioned those. I I said the Will I Am one, which yeah. we talked about that. It was the one that kind of because it was small. I know it was a small. Piece. It was very small. His yeah, one, yeah yeah. But uh, but, uh yeah. Abe, I'll let you get into your thoughts, but I got one other thing I want to say on this. Yeah, get in everyone. Me, this is where I, I this is where Usher's taking it unfairly. Okay, everyone says. Tries to compare it to Prince, and oh, that's you just can't compare it you can't. That was a once in a lifetime performance in in circumstances that nah. may never be duplicated. So, I think what we tend to do, Dave, is we either want to like say this was the greatest thing of all time, or this was terrible, right? Yes, this was. I say a slightly above average. Dojo's been killing this, by the way, the show. But is it because well, you don't like Usher, or that you didn't like the show? You have to separate. The yeah. Thing. I'm not a big Usher fan, but I can appreciate what he brought to that show, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I gave it an eight because I wrote a review on it. I gave it an eight. You I don't think. A... Yeah. I liked it a lot, but I don't think it was as good as Rihanna. I don't think it was as good as the hip hop one the... the two years ago. I don't. I mean, again, I look at like what it wasn't as good Mars as that. Did. Yeah. I don't think it was bad. I think it catered to if you were an Usher fan, you liked it. If you're yeah, not an Usher eight. fan, yeah, I mean, it did nothing for you. average for me. Yeah. But I'm a fan, so I already got. I mean, I probably had. I was going into it already, kind of excited. See, I look at like so. Usher. Why didn't go higher? And it's not. And, and six is, like I said, above average. I don't know if he captured the person who never heard his music before, saying, "Wow." Yeah. But but that's what Bruno Mars did ten years ago so well. Is he like there were people? I knew people in their late sixties were yeah. like, "Wow, this kid's really good," you know. So and, and that. That show, when you think back to it, that Bruno Mars show kind of re-energized 
yeah. the halftime show. I, I have that as my second all-time behind Prince. That one, I think, was the second best one I've seen. It, it, to me, it was it's one I'll go back and watch. I don't was there a moment, Dave, in the Usher performance that you said there was that moment that you're gonna go back and watch again? Did you have when one Okay, there's okay. Uh I like the intro just because it's just like I thought it was a good intro. He's got- so Vegas. He's got like the Liberace thing going. I liked it. And you know, I was complaining about that. And I said, this is good. Uh, he gets points. There, there are three times that I that I like was like, or four. There was four times that I was like, you know, let's go. And it was yeah. when he came out. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. We ripped his shirt off because Usher always has to rip his shirt off. So I'm like, okay, there we right, go. Right. You know, yeah, you figured that. You got to have that. Yeah. And, yep. and, and, and he looks great. So good for him. Yep. When Alicia Keys, I thought that was really good. When they showed her from the top down and she had that huge dress and everything, I thought that was cool. She flubbed that note, though. It was no. She did. She, she did. But now, look, again, cool. it it was a flub. It's, you know, well, we, we talked about how this is a live thing. I don't I don't give her bonus points for it, but, you know, I don't kill her over this either. Yeah. This is where I'm going to rant. Right. All right. It's because the same people that rip it for a flub are the same people that go on and on about how lip syncing is terrible and it you're, makes the show useless. I thought you the can't have thing. both. You can't have That's it the both. reason they lip sync. Right. You it's can't. Like, now, Usher you did can't, have a lot of pre-recorded stuff, but yeah, I think he was but doing other things. Kill, you can't, you can't kill, kill her for getting the note off and then yeah. kill the halftime show for not being live. You're, you're a thousand percent right, and I think he recovered. What A great artist recovers yeah. quickly. yeah. Uh, I thought good chemistry. Yeah, I think she did fine. That was good. And I loved. I went. All, I loved when Ludacris came out. I have to admit. Yeah, I think a lot I of knew people thought happening. that was the moment. Yeah, I knew it was happening. I knew they were going to do it. I knew they were going to do that song, but I still loved it when he yeah. came out. I loved it. Um, so yeah, but and I will just we'll just get into it right here, Coop, with music news because I I yeah. did an Usher, uh, I did an Usher review. I think the issue. For me, no, I wouldn't kill it. I mean, I think sometimes people are like, I think people kill it whether they like the band or not. Right. And it's like, if you don't like Usher, you could, he could have done anything. He could have walked on water and it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. And I tried, like um, I said, I'm not the biggest Usher fan, but I tried to just see that show for what it was. I, I didn't think it was a bad show. No, I think his talent as a performer was on point. Like all the energy brought, all the dancing, like just the crazy costumes. I think that was all great. I think the problem, Coop, is that he's where he makes his money and where people love him, and he's like the R&B king, is in love ballads. Yes, and that was it's, why I was saying, yeah, and that's why some it's of the, hard to get the energy up out of Super Bowl show with love ballads. I was arguing with my friend Stacey. He says, "What do you mean it was no energy?" I said, "The prop. It wasn't the energy. Is just a different type of. It's energy. the pace. It's yeah. the pace, right? And it's a. T- I knew this was going to be a tough show from the beginning to do this, right?" Now I love Usher. I love it. He, look, he did what well. he did. He did. I don't think he did anything to embarrass the NFL. No, uh, I think like no. I said, like I said, it was a good show. I mean, I I have very high high level of standards on it, but this was not like. I mean, look, I still think the worst one was the Who, and, and I think Madonna oh, laid God. an egg with her. Madonna laid an egg with hers. I'm going to be honest like with Kate you. Kate Perry's too was not. Kate Perry I mean, was was, was good, but. Katy Perry did have a lot of good uh, theatrics with it. I mean, it, it, some of these props were incredible, but the but the well, performance here, was 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 not good. 
Well, here's my thing. Right. And I write it in the review. I think the problem or where it falls down for me, like it automatically gets two points because I like Usher. So if I was neutral and I didn't know Usher from a hole in the ground, I'd probably be like you, Coop, and give it like a six or something. Um, but I already give it two points because I like Usher. So it goes to an eight. Yeah. Um, but I think the issue is because the ballads were so low energy and trying to get that to a crowd, they had to add in all this other stuff to like boost the energy. So they had to add in like roller skaters. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's... People running all over the place. And yeah. it was very, at times, it was very chaotic. And it was like, what's going on? That was a problem. I agree. And that's exactly, like, I, I, I said this, I think, when we did the show with John. I don't know if he was the best selection for a halftime show, not because yeah. he can't deliver a good performance, but I don't know if the vibe fits in with a football game. You know, like some of the great halftime shows have had these marching bands. Like Prince even had the marching band that year. Yes. And, well, and, and, I mean, he, yeah. I mean, I think the thing with Rihanna and why everybody loved Rihanna is Rihanna is like a global icon. So she doesn't yeah. need any guests. She doesn't need a lot of anything. She just, she has like 30 hits and everybody knows them. Yeah. So you can just kind of put her out there. Yeah. I think I, with Usher, people maybe know what, two or three songs you think, Coop? Your casual fan, maybe one. Maybe, right. yeah, they know. And everything else is like you kind of need to be a fan so I agree with you. It's hard to hit. How do you hit a casual fan with someone that people love, but you really, but, you know, did he have enough to fill it out, you know? Yeah. Um, but like I said, I thought it was really good. It's what I expected from Usher. Um, and like I said, I wrote a, I wrote a review on it. Yep. Check it out. Uh, good, review. good job. Last two years were far better. But in terms of a halftime show, I thought it was quite good. Now the the person I want next, I want them to sort of like zag now, and go like Chris Stapleton or something. Like go like and have a couple country people up there. Like get a you know let's go. We've done hip hop. We've done R and B. They pop. do let's not want to do a country. They do not want to do a country because they're afraid of losing the though. urban market. They're afraid of losing the Be urban good. market. I know. I agree with you, but they've never done it. I trying to think who else they had. I mean, um, Super Bowls in the South and AKA Dallas and wonder who Atlanta, and they've never done it. Well, I, well, we'll see how it goes. I was, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, it was good. I thought it was good too. I, I said, is uh, Eric from Dojo is not happy about it. So, uh, well, you know, I mean, but, I think a lot of it goes with like how much you like Usher as well. I, I think that's more of the problem. I think again, because he's you, quite like. If I mean, you don't like him, those collabs were. Go well. By the way, he did great with the collabs. I mean, I think this year was. Oh. yeah, he did very good with the collaborations this year. I liked the Alicia Keys one. Um, it was good. It was very good. Yeah. But yeah, so I have that on Cigar yeah. Jukebox. Yep. Uh, also finishing the Oop series. Also got a thing on the dedication show, which is coming up in March. If you want to dedicate some songs, right? Check out how to do that. I have a post on those. Sh- CigarJukebox.com about that. And I'm doing some uh, Black History Month articles, Coop. The first one that I did, we talked about, and it was sort of the appropriation of blues music during the first British invasion. And That was a great article. Good job, Dave. Really good work on that. Thank you. Folks haven't checked. You need to check that one out. Yeah. Because we talked about that when we did the Zep 2 album archaeology. We talked about that issue. Yeah. A very yeah, really good job. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of things I learned from it. Yeah, 
Thank you. But I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, well, for Black History Month. I'm gonna be doing some articles on, you know, um, prominent African American artists in musical genres that you don't necessarily think of, just because it is cigar jukebox. So I have a bit more of a music, yeah, sort of spin. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. To it. Uh, and I know PBS is doing a lot of great music related stuff for Black History Month. So if you are looking for more info on that sort of stuff, check out PBS. I know they have a lot of good stuff. Yep, yep. They do and always they a good your, job with that. Yeah. They have your disco show as well. But they have, got it. have you watched it yet? Have you ever got it? I gotta it? watch that. I think yeah. I can get it. I think I can get it online. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth watching that disco show. You'll learn a lot. Like I, I learned a lot too about oh, like sure, how that all happened. Yeah. Small if you learned people, a lot, I'm definitely going to All learn. group of people can make a lot of noise. We've seen that happen in this country and it happened there. <laughs> oh, I gotta do that. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta I gotta watch that. Um yep. I think I can watch it on the PBS site. Yeah, I you should be able to. Yeah. I think they'll give you international access to it. That's why. I hope so. Otherwise, otherwise I have some backdoor ways I could try to, to <laughs> watch it. Um, we had a death in the music world. Toby Keith Koo. Big one. Big one. That's a big death. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like country. I wasn't a huge Toby Keith person. Same so I don't know a ton of his career. Same here. Yeah, same here. But he, I mean, you can't deny he wasn't a superstar of country music. Um, Battle Cancer, I think. I think it was the last over the last couple of years. I don't think many people knew until like the end. Um, I, I didn't know he was sick either. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I but, followed him close. No. But he's huge star. Like there's a huge outpouring, especially what I was not surprised about. But there was a lot of. Um, people paying respects in the cigar industry as well that I saw. I didn't know he was that. Uh, yeah, well same here. Um, so I was kind of surprised by that. Um, but no, it had a lot of great country hits. Should have been a cowboy is the biggest one, right? Uh, and then as good as I once was is another song that a lot of people probably know. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a huge a huge uh news event. That, that happened, and I, I'm sure the next CMA Awards and stuff will, will do something to honor him. I bet, yeah, I would bet that, too. Because he was a huge name. He was. That's a big loss for the country music business, yeah. Uh, now, it's hard to move on from that news, but Grammy Recap Coop. Now, we won't go into a ton of this because yeah. we still got the time. We don't have the time, but... Uh, so... But uh, I, I didn't... Just really quick before we talk about performances, right? I couldn't watch the Grammys live, and to record it would be like six hours. So all the all the performances I tried to see on YouTube. So some of them I didn't get to see the whole thing and only saw bits, and some I didn't get to see at all. So I kind of had to like do it, do a spend a night searching around to try and find them. So in confession. I want to talk about why I, I, I there was at the at first half of the show, I was doing some multitasking. So I was messaging you. But what happened is there was something I completely missed. I did miss the Tracy Chapman thing. That's why I never messaged you. On oh, I knew like, well, I'm not a big Tracy Chapman, but I knew you would be into it. But I missed I completely missed it and didn't know about it till after the ceremony, actually. And then I went back and watched it. So I did not know. That's why I didn't message you on. it. I did message you on Joni Mitchell, obviously. Yes. But, but yeah. Um, I think, I mean, we won't talk about, uh, the, the winners and stuff. I will just say 
that I was furious about Miley Cyrus winning. Um, That's an understatement. Only, that was an understatement. Not, not only was I furious, but so my daughter plays basketball and rugby. Right. right. Basketball was that night. She went to training and talked to all of her friends about how that was the worst decision in like music history. And, you know, just went off. Uh, and I'm like, okay. okay. And then two, two days later, she had rugby training and did the same thing. She, she lost her mind. So I agree. It should not have been the record of the year. Okay, I agree on that. There were better choices. It was not one of the better choices. I still think Bonnie Raitt getting Nick and Tom, uh, well, yeah. the thing called Love, well, yeah. the, the, the thing, Nick and Tom, I'm sorry, Nick and Tom, uh, Nick and Tom the album of the year. Was yeah. was oh, so yeah. much more egregious. At least oh, well, this yeah. record, Flowers, sold records in the U.S. Well, yeah, At least true. it sold records. I agree with you. I don't know how they messed this one up, but they messed this one up bad. Um, you you want? I was look. I I was I was in the John Batiste camp, but you want to say, um, you know, I, I there were better picks, and 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 I would even went with the Billie Eilish pick over 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 that. Mm. I, mean, were, I probably would have had that like. Seventh or eighth on that on that list. Well, I think the problem, and I listened to a show, The Right Time with Bomani Jones, which is mainly a sports show. Right. But he talks about, you know, music and stuff. And he had a Grammy show, and I linked to it in a, I wrote an article about Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs. And he did a show, and what and, and what he says you have to remember is that sometimes these voters, they're not voting for the artist or the song, but the, you know, they might be returning yeah. a favor to the producer or the yeah. agent, or they're like, Hey, you know, let's throw this person a bone because I'm good friends with this agent or whatever. And so it's all this like politics outside of the song that people don't really know. And because the votes aren't that transparent, it's like, you don't, they kind of vote for whatever they want. And you kind of, you know, that's a really a good problem. point actually um, that you make. Um, that, that being said, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, it was a bad pick. Right. But, yeah. um, you know, I would have still went anti-hero over that one. I still would have went, called it, though. yeah, I you said she was going to, I called that one. I said she was going to win it. It wasn't who I wanted to win. Uh, <laughs> I thought Billy Eilish had, a, had an upset in the song of the category. Yeah. I well, didn't see that yeah. one coming to be honest with you. Such a good song. I, I thought um, I had a better shot at record. I thought I had a better shot at record. Yeah. I uh so just to focus on the performances, I mean, obviously I think Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs, I watched like a thousand times. Right. Because it's just incredible. By the way, how amazing is Tracy Chapman? She's like 60. Put out a record. Like honest to God. Like she still sounds incredible. Like put out an album, Tracy. She's like retired, I think, too. Well, yeah, because the last record she put out uh, was good, but it was like 2012, I think. Yeah. So she really hasn't done much, but she, but man, she can still sing. I say, put one out, Tracy, um, or at least do that, do that duet in a studio or something. Right, right. Recording of that. Um, Joni Mitchell was another standout. I reckon well, she could pass. Even with Brandy Carlisle was, uh, I tell you what, that was a big part of the night. I think that was a big, oh. big great performance. I said, Dave, I was telling her, Dave, she's on. And then he goes, is Brandy Carlisle? Oh. I'm like, yeah, of course she's yeah. on. <laughs> Brandy Carlisle is, is the new, you know, yeah. Joni. But, she, uh, but Brandy was fine in that one. I had no issues with oh. that. She did, there was a good. Well, no, I mean, she didn't. Joni yeah, was she frail. She did enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. She did enough to keep Joni sort of on task or enough yeah. to like keep the song structured, but not take away from Joni, who's oh, it was great. Yeah. Now, so I like that. Someone said I, I like SZA and Billie Eilish doing their songs of the year nominees. I thought those were good. I like Billie Eilish's uh Barbie outfit, by the way. That I love the Barbie jacket. She looked, she looked good in it. She looked. I got. I got. She be honest. honest to God is three feet tall. Like I didn't know how tall she like stood you know, up, and I'm like, oh my god. I don't mean to make this sound sexist or anything, but she's actually there's a side of her I'm seeing that's you know quite. She she can be very good looking is what I'm saying. I don't know how else to say hey, it. Billy Billy Eilish is the best. She's the always at the top. She remind she was more of a tomboy I think when she first came on. That's why I'm saying that. But nothing <laughs> wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. But but I, the Barbie outfit looked really good on her. Yeah, love the love the Barbie jacket. I, I I told my daughter, I said, how much would you hate being sitting behind Taylor Swift because she's like six two or whatever, and and. She's standing up and cheering like and, every and song. jumping up and down. <laughs> I'm like, you wouldn't see anything. Yeah, because she's super tall. Um, now I do have to. I don't know where you stand on this. I saw it online. My audio could have been bad, but Billy Joel looked rough, man. He did. He did. Like it sounded rough. It sounded rough, and. Uh... Like I said, the, you know, look, everyone was going to be emotional. They were going to hold that s- terrible. They were going to hold that to 1130 on the East Coast. We all knew that, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I thought there would be a second Billy Joel song and closing out, right? Mm. And he closed out what you may be right. I was actually hoping for Billy Joel and Olivia Rodrigo to perform together. Now, they have performed together very well. Yeah. They, they do Uptown Girl really well together. Oh, okay. So, uh, but he looked rough, Dave. I I, I oh, gotta agree with you. He rough. he looked rough. He sounded rough. Um, people were like, this goes back to what I said last week. They're excited that Billy Joel's back. Yeah, that's that's, that's what it is. It, it it was too bad because when I heard that song, now I love the song. Good background. I, Grammys did a good job with the background of that song, but and I I oh, was yeah. very hard I, on that production. But this was like of the whole show, which sucked. I thought, but that was a good part when they talked about the story with that. Love the song, love the studio version of it. And as I'm listening to the studio version of it, I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to play so great live. Yeah. Like this song is made live to be live. And then I hear, I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah. man, that yeah. was rough. It was rough. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like he just doesn't have it anymore or if it was an off night or what. But you know, it was I, not I, what I was it, expecting. It wasn't, and the Grammys are not like performing the Super Bowl. It's a much more no. controlled production. So, um, th- you know, and I'll actually say, is that made the roughest performance I've seen ever out of Billy Joel? I mean, mm. I mean if if that was not a new song he was doing, he would be destroyed for that performance, yes. whatever performance he gave. I'm just saying, you know. He's going to be touring soon, man, so he's got to sort it out. He's going to be touring, yeah. He's finishing up his run at the garden, yeah. Mm. Um so we we'll probably talk more about the Grammys this time. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about uh, Rock yeah. and Roll Hall of Fame. You wrote a great article on this with the uh nominees. Yeah, so we I thought we we'll I know we're gonna we'll do our usual thing with that, right? Yeah. But week week set of nominees this year. I'm sorry. It wasn't a great yeah. year. They're um, skipping the eighties again. 
They're skipping the eighties again. Like uh, pretty much. You know, it's I know there was a lot I mean, there's a lot of new I to me, are you gonna put up how many times are you gonna nominate a tribe called Quest, right? Yeah, that's that's not happening. You gotta put them in. And then the other thing is why are the New York dolls not on this year now? Like they're on they were on the last two. What like how are these I don't know. I, I just got really uh out of I, the list I saw. Now I have to really like break it down. But just a quick glance at it, I think maybe three standouts on that list for me, and the rest are sort of like him. Yeah. Like I guess. Yep. I know I know you're three. I could guess you're three. Oh, you probably could. You could guess yeah. one of them for yeah. damn sure. <laughs> yeah. And she's getting in, baby. Um Sinead. She's better. Uh I see, I don't think Sinead will get in. I, don't, I think I think, she, I think she's got not enough votes. That's what I say too. I don't think she gets. She okay. I know we weren't going to talk about this, but I'll say this really quick. And I love Shadeo Connor. Uh, but really, Coop, if you look at it, like she had one big album, and like it was big, and she yeah. made an impression. But like that was, mm, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I I I was talking more about uh, Mariah Carey. Like I think Mariah Carey should get in there. She should be in. I mean, we might what you think of her. You'd have to. She's had a Hall of Fame career. She's had a Hall of Fame career. You'd have to. You have to. I don't think Sinead gets in. I I mean, I don't think she deserves to really. Yeah. I mean, I love her. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. But like, I mean, because because I guess people could say, well, what about George Michael? But he had the whole career with Wham. That was a huge album. He followed that up with another huge album. The Freedom '90 stuff was big. And he yeah. was like, you know, and, and, and he was an icon. Like, I mean, I guess Snare O'Connor was an icon, but I mean, I don't I don't think yeah. so. I don't think no. she's getting in. No. I don't think she should get in. But Mariah Carey should get in. Anyway. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm pulling for cool in the gang here. Oh, they definitely have to get in. That was another standout for me. Like sure. I mean, if you're gonna put look, and I think Parliament Funkadelic absolutely belonged in the Hall of Fame, but if you could put them in, you gotta put cool in the gang in. I mean, surely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, but one thing that and we'll, we'll, I know we're going to do the whole show, but I want to mention one thing. They're doing the fan vote thing again. But remember last year I was looking at the fan votes and I said, this weird shit going on with this. Like I, I was that's looking at, right. well, they've tightened it up this year. I think they recognize some, some weird stuff some going on. Or something. So yeah. yeah, I, so there's now more tighter controls on that this year. And I'm like, good job because, if, like I said, I was watching that stuff last year, and, and like the number of votes that were coming in at, at like four in the morning on the East Coast, something was oh, wrong. Oh yeah! Like when I see like ten thousand votes come in, it, it, like, and it was weird. So that now they appear to have tightened it. So, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll like I know we'll do our usual picks. Uh, we have that's coming up at the end of April, so we got a little time on that. Yep. Uh, and then we hopefully they don't screw it up, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we got that. We talked Super Bowl. We talked Usher. Something else that happened in the Super Bowl, Beyonce dropped two singles. Yes. And has a record called Part Two. So people, so she did Renaissance, and she sort of mentioned that Renaissance was going to be in three parts. And people try to figure out, does that mean albums? Does that mean a movie? Like, people try to figure that out. Yeah. Well, she's got Part Two coming out. The two singles are Texas Hold'em. And 16 cartridges. Uh, the rumors, and Coop's got Smith on this, 
rumors that it's going to be a country album. And there's also rumors Coop duet with Dolly Parton. So I think the country album part's confirmed. I'm yeah. pretty sure that, that... Well, both the singles are country for those who haven't heard Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that that one is confirmed. I don't have... I don't have something on the Dolly thing, but I believe uh It's rumored. It's it's, it's rumored. Um did you see the commercial? I by the way, the, the, I kind of was half tuned into the commercial. I don't see any of the commercials, man. Yeah, like, over, I don't get any I, of that. I never I never have gotten into the commercials to be honest with you. So she did have and that kind of happened right after the commercial. Uh so but I it, from what I understand it's called Act Two. And it's going to yes. come out the end of uh, March. Man. So we talked about it before the top 50, how like last year was massive. So like the year with Lizzo and yeah. Taylor Swift and Rihanna drops a single for the first time in forever. And Harry, this year is going to be huge, too. We got Usher just put out a record. Yep. After this, we got Beyonce putting out a record. We got Taylor Swift putting out another record. Yep. Big release which was announced year. At the, which was announced at the Grammys, yeah. Big release year. Big um, release year, and it's only uh, the first quarter. Yeah. Kanye West also dropped a record out of nowhere. Right. If you're a Kanye fan, check that out. But it's worth mentioning anyway. Uh, I haven't listened to it or anything. I can't fall off Kanye, but uh, it's worth uh, worth mentioning. Um, man, so that's the music news. That's a lot of music news. Yep. The uh, last thing I'll just add on is uh, the new oldies list should be wrapping up this week. Oh, so, yeah. I so... Surprised with the new oldies picks so far. Maybe Usher will make your new oldies of uh, <laughs> next year. Maybe. Yeah. Never know. Uh, I think the, you know, the one, the fallout boy one probably caught a lot of people by surprise. That you caught know, me they, by surprise. It, yeah. But that's one. It, they just made the deadline. So, mm. and it was a very good album. So, uh, mm. so yeah, it made it, um, on there. So, uh, so check that out. I had to take a couple of days, not publishing because I was traveling and I had really, yeah. well, I had good internet in the hotel. I just, the only time I was in the hotel is when I did that, that uh show with yeah. Abe. So so yeah, I just it was tough uh with that. So it, it's it, it should finish this week. Um I, definitely want it done this week. So I gotta say that that record, the Foo Fighters record, that got screwed at the Grammys. I mean, come on. It did, it did. It did. That record yeah. is good. Yeah. So Dave, your your homework, I want you to give a listen to that John Mellencamp Orpheus descending out. I saw you put that on there. I had a quick listen, I think, when it came out, but I haven't really gone back to it. It, it it's I one that moved that. up. It's it's a very good album. Uh, I think okay. it's up your alley with the whole socio political angles. I think you'll really appreciate it. Yeah, I would have a listen. I remember, I think it was the lead single. Um, I heard and I didn't really go back to it because you know that happens sometimes. You hear a single or something like, oh, it's pretty good. I'll, yep. I'll wait for the album and yep. then like you miss the album. Yeah, exactly. 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 That happens. Um, Because, yeah, I heard the the Hey God, yeah, that that lead single off it. Yeah, it's it's a good track. It's a good track, yeah. The whole album's solid. Um, No, check that out. Uh, Now, we're we're pairings and stuff. 
developing palettes. We got too much show. Got too much. Yeah, cigar news. We'll skip this week too. There's not a lot, so uh, we'll catch up. Well, there's a few things, but we'll catch it up next next time. On that, yeah. Now I did a, a late change. I was gonna have a, a red meat lovers cigar. See, I, I have mine. <laughs> you got? Know, oh no. But I didn't have this one. I I actually have the 100 años. I didn't have this one. I was oh. like, what? I was like, what cigar is befitting a masterpiece like this? And so I went the My Father, Le Beju. This is a size that Coop and I both love. The Petite Robusto. Petite Robusto. What's it like? Four and a half by 50, 52? I, and yeah. that's in the core Le Beju line, which I think is the best size. I mean. um, So I went with that. And you got the, is that the ribeye, that one? It's the ribeye, but the one I'm smoking is the one that was called the meat box press, which is the ribeye. Uh-huh. But it's the one the, the meat box press is what they called it when it was released through Smoke In. Okay. So now it's called the ribeye. It's the six by fifty two. It's the box press one. So I've been sitting here. Have you had it already? Or yeah, I've had it. Um, my favorite is the original six by fifty six release round. But my mm, second favorite has been the beef stick, which is the which is the round uh, with the flat heads on each side. Oh, okay. Like the beef jerky stick, it looks like. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, but it's a solid line by Steve. Um, so and I, I I've been smoking so many one hundred ounces. I just bought I just ah. bought another box of them actually. Is it still is it still out there? Can you still get I it? I found them in Miami. Caribbean cigars That's has it. If folks are asking, good, folks ask me. Uh, they have some. They have several boxes left. So such a good cigar. It is. Everyone uh, needs to buy that cigar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oof. If 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 a box didn't cost a bazillion dollars to get here, I would buy a box myself. Yeah, it's it's a bazillion dollars probably for you. Oh God, because because then they tax the box. It's like buying the cigar three times. Yeah, Aaron had me pick up some cigars for him. They weren't cheap. <laughs> so. Woo! And I forgot to mail them today to him. He's gonna be pissed. I was oh, I was doing meetings the whole day today and it was pouring, so I didn't feel like going out. So Yeah, so deal with that, Aaron. Yeah. Um it'll get him. But no, got some great cigars. I love I, I agree with you, Coop. I'm almost exactly in line with you in terms of the the that that original round was so good. It was it so was. Good. It was. Now Abe liked the meat press better, but that's a you Did know, he? Yeah, but that's yeah. okay. Everyone has that preference. Yeah. But that original one yeah. and Steven didn't recreate that one for for the national release, he kept no, that it's... one as like one for Abe to have, you know. Perm, you know. Yeah. So it was very good that one. I love yeah. that one. Um, but no, that's a great line for Steve. I mean, that's yeah. all he needs is more yeah. lines that everybody wants yep. to buy. Yep. Like, is he? Like, I gotta say, just in general, like if you look at like success rate of cigars, like he's batting pretty good. Yeah. Oh, he is. He's had a great <laughs> year. He's had a great ten year run. Yeah. I mean, what would you say would be the one that didn't really catch on? Would that be like the the Stillwell stars? I mean, everything I would else... say the only reason why I would say um, he's only had one miss of a cigar in my book. Um, but the one that didn't do well was the Total Sauce Diaz, where he discontinued it. Yeah. Uh, but the Stillwell... I liked it though. Yeah. I I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna be unpopular. Wagashi was the miss. Dojo's Wagashi oh, okay. was the miss. I. It didn't do it for me. Mm. You know, it just didn't. Um, and I like the brulees. It's not like I don't like the brulees. It just didn't do it. Yeah, I've had only one. I've had only one. Uh, 
So, but yeah, but that's gonna that is not gonna be a miss. He's gonna sell a ton of those. I think it's coming out at the show this year so, as a national release. It's very Led Zeppelin like. Not a lot of filler on the Steve Saka records. A lot of hits. A lot of hits. Yep. Not not a lot of filler. Not a lot of filler. Um, that's a good analogy we should do at some point. Oh, it's a show filler right records there. and filler cigars. Yeah, or filler yeah, cigar. Not uh, a, yeah, brand. Not a yeah. lot of filler on uh, on uh, Saka. Yep. Um, lemonade. First thoughts. I love the record. I think it's her best one. I think it's and I put I think it's the best record since its release. I think it's the best record in the last. Oh, at least five eight years. Uh, iconic record. In listening to this, I found Coop that that's a lot in common with IO, which I also think is tremendous. Uh, where in the sense that there's some high concepts that she's trying to communicate this record, but that's wrapped around a lot of pop hits that are very easily accessible. But yeah. she's going for a high concept record. Yep. Um, what are your sort of initial initial lemonade thoughts here? So I met you. We started. We met around 2014. That's when Jukebox started. And you know, I remember when you reached out to me, and I, you know, we've been great friends for over 10 years. And I remember when this record came out. You just, you were all over this record. I mean, you have been. This is. I, I know what you think of this record. I know what what, what how important it is to you. Um, I have listened to some of the tracks, but I haven't sat down and mm. listened to this album. It was mm. time for me to do that out of respect to you. And that's why when I think we were talking about Black History Month show, we, we, we said, I said, why don't we do this album? We, we've you talked about it for so long. Yeah. I want to go through the exercise of it um, and see what this album, why Dave is so into this album. Um, it was, a, and I'm so glad we did it, by the way. Uh, I learned so much doing this exercise, probably as much as any album I, we've ever done on this one. Mm. So there's a lot I learned, uh, about Beyonce and just you, and we, we, Dave, by the way, Dave just knocks it out of the park with some of the, uh, uh stuff he's, he's going to pull out tonight for this album. Uh, he just really did a great, cause he's, he knows it so well, much better than I do, but I can come in and at least give my perspective of, you know, how I looked at this album this year. Oh, well, thank you, Coop. I, for, for behind yeah. the scenes, and I appreciate the kind words. Oh, no problem. From behind the scenes, every every show meeting we have, and what we could do this year, I'm like, hey, let's do Lemonade. <laughs> and we just didn't do it. Like, it's not that and, we want to do it. Just, yeah. It yeah. just moves because either like we bring a guest on and like, oh, they might prefer this record. Right. Or we're like, we haven't done Disco in a while, so let's do this record. Yeah. Or how about I pick the last record, you pick this record. So it's just it's just sort of yeah falling off. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, Coop, I haven't listened to it front to back in one sitting since I got it. So it was really a lot of stuff came out for me more this time because the first time I've listened to it, like all in one sit down in a long time. Would you say there's a different experience? Because here's the thing. I think there's a different experience when you listen to it from start to finish. I agree. And then we'll, agree. Get, in, we'll get into that a lot. But yeah, that's where I, I had never done that before. You see more of the concept when you do that. Yes, I think. Yep. Um, but we're getting to the history because this is an interesting history, which is another reason why I wanted to do it. Yep. Um, so it was released in 2016 by Columbia. She used 11 studios to record it over a year. At one point, 
she was visiting Paris with Jay Z, and they actually set up. They hired out a, a hotel room just to make the hotel room a studio for her to record in, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so this also fa- followed the pattern of stealth drops. So a previous record, Beyonce, was a stealth drop. This was also, I mean, Formation came out ahead of time, but you didn't know it was a record. Um, and the record was a stealth drop. Yeah. Th- there's so many producers. Beyonce is famous for this. She has like a writing team and they all go on retreats together where they pitch around ideas and she might like, for example, um, there might, she might use, you know, a, a lyric from this person and another lyric from that person and kind of put it together. That's like with this, there's tons of producers and writers. It's hard to go over all of them. Uh, I did say that she took a more hands-on role with this record than previous records. Uh, so she's far more involved. Um, the producers and writers you'll know of are Jack White is on here. Diplo and James Blake are probably yeah. the most well-known. Um, everybody knows this was written and conceived as a response to Jay-Z's infidelity. I would say, Jay-Z, or maybe Beyonce, what are you doing? <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I mean, that's sort of been talked about a lot. But what hasn't been talked about is so this record was made alongside a 11 chapter movie. Yes. So you got to take out formation because formation was sort of like added on. So you take out formation and the rest of the 11 songs make this movie. I haven't seen the movie, I have to admit. Uh, But Beyonce has said in interviews that she wanted to follow sort of a classic music structure. By classic, I mean classical music structure where you have songs that correspond to different characters and different emotions, um, which, you know, happens in, in other, which we'll get to, but happens in classical music with it, like, you know, ring cycle and stuff like that. Yeah. So she wanted to do that. And so what's, so each song we have, uh, I'll go through them all corresponds to different emotions. So she had along this journey of Jay-Z's infidelity. So she has the first one, we go intuition, then denial, anger, apathy, emptiness, accountability, reformation, forgiveness, resurrection, hope, and redemption. It's like a full cycle. Of yeah, it's a full cycle. It's an emotional cycle it goes through, yeah. yeah. Which I thought was now, brilliant this, that when, you, when this was all laid out like that. Oh, yeah. Now... You really got to exclude formation from this because I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It was a single at the Super Bowl that had tons of hype and controversy because she and all of her dancers dressed up in like black power outfits. And it's a song mainly about uh, racial injustice and, and, and pride in, in African-American pride and a bunch of themes along that. But they kind of tacked it onto this album. I think it was probably for sales, Coop. You know, they're like, well, let's throw on this this song that's gotten all this hype. And it happens. I get whatever. that. Because I even wrote it. I didn't think it really fit the rest of the album. No. And it was yeah. it's just sort of thrown on. So you kind of yeah. in the yeah. concept yeah. of the you have to leave it off. Yeah. Really. Yep. Yep. Um, and some of the biggest guests in the business and they were unusual ones for her. And this sort of starts this this mode 
in R&B and pop in general, we have like really unique off the wall collaborations. So she has Jack White, The Weeknd. The Weeknd, you can see Kendrick Lamar, you can see, but Jack White, James Blake. We're like, what? And yeah. The Chicks. The Chicks is the famous one because then they do that song on the CMAs. Yes. Um, but like since then, like Justin Vernon for Bon Iver has done stuff with like Travis Scott. Like there's, so it really opens up. James Blake has done a number of rap albums. Yeah. Really. Um, it really opens up this wider collaborative thing, um, yeah. which is interesting. So a lot of the themes on here that she's talked about, black feminism, African-American culture, reclaiming appropriate music, which we'll talk about a little bit. Yep. Generational trauma and racism. They're all sort of wrapped up uh, in this. And I think, I mean, it's got, it got tons of awards. Didn't get album of the year, interestingly enough. Oh, I'm going to talk about that in the wrap up, too. Uh, how uh, this didn't get album. How? Yeah, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. This this was an this absolute had a miscarriage. Lot to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Miscarriage of justice. Yeah. After listening to this. The, won tons of awards, a huge critical reception, and it still really makes a lot of waves today. Um, so. I put for the songs we're going to go through. We're not going to do sides. And I didn't see the movie. So it's just going off. Of I haven't the seen songs. the movie either. I went off the songs. Um, but yeah. I do. I do talk about the construction a bit. But I think you laid it out very well. The so I, I talk. Yeah. So the emotional stuff, you can get that in the songs and that construction. She uh, talks about the album. So I won't be talking about, say, oh, this song in the movie did this. It's right. just straight. It's straight from the album. Yeah. You know, I know we didn't put this in the notes, but the title of the album, Lemonade, I thought it was a great yes. title. I didn't know what it was about, right? Until, like I said, when you put this emotional cycle together, it's that old expression, you know, uh, you make lemonade yeah. out of lemons. That's it, what this is about, especially. So I thought it was a, a, like a lot of thought was put into the construction of this album, the naming of this album. Um, huge concept album. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I'm, I love a concept album. So. Which I, I agree with you, Coop. You don't really see the whole concept come together unless you you have those emotions sort of in front of you and you listen to the album front to back. See, For me so, anyway. Yeah, and my, I look formation, not a bad song. I'm not saying, but but Great I was song, like, okay, what is okay? <laughs> toss it, it on. There. It's been done before, right? This that type of song's been done before. So what was so great about? It? But when I in a couple of the other tracks as well. But when I put this together. Uh, and listen to a, a true album-oriented yep. experience. Um, this is exactly what I look for in an album. I, I, I am big on concept albums. If you give me a good mm. concept album, you uh, go. chances are it will satisfy me somehow. This mm. will be enough to satisfy me. So we're going to kick it off with Pray You Catch Me. Yep. Uh, which is going to be really interesting when we look at the end of the album. But you know, for the start of the album, you're like, oh, I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool pop song, but it doesn't really have a lot of energy to it or, or anything. Um, but it starts off. So we're getting into this. We're looking at it in the lens of this is the intuition. So the lyrics are sort of she knows something's up. She's trying to catch him out. She's kind of questioning herself. Um, so and, and what I like to say, too, is. And I've said this to Coop before, like I see the first track is teaching you how to listen to the album. Right. And listening to this track, you know you're in for something with this album that's gonna be highly personal. Yeah. 
because you're listening to this and you're like, you got this the strings, this piano arrangement, and you're like, something's up. This isn't a typical Beyonce record. I'm in for something different. I'm yeah. in for something special here. Like, what's going on? Um, and James Blake is the writer on this track. It's not the longest track. In fact, Coop, tracks on this record aren't super long. No, but I think there's, there's a couple over four minutes, but but there's a couple under a minute and a half. There's a couple that are under two minutes, I should say. And it's not long. long. No, um, but I I said it was a great opening track because it brings you in and you're wondering, well, what's going to unfold? What's the mystery of this record? Yep. Like catch him with what? Like what are you talking about? Um. So yeah. So that's just my like my initial thoughts. Good opening track, I think, to this concept, and she's like starting to lay the concept out there. Yep. Yep. What did you think about this one? Well, so it was it, it your thought was very interesting because I wrote my when I was doing my first set of notes with this. This is an intriguing track. I'm like, I heard it and I felt like we were heading for something more with it. It was I described this track as a prelude. Um mm, which that's a good is, point. That's which great. is like yeah. perfect. It was like a prelude, an album prelude. Mm. Um, but I thought musically there was some really good stuff going on in this short track. And I wrote a comment. This is Beatlesque meets R&B. It was this Baroque mm. type of sound with an R&B mm. feel. I hadn't really heard it done like this before. And uh, it was great. Now, I think this is a hard track to stand up on its own yep. just because mm -hmm. it's sometimes a bad track. But I think it's, you know, it, it kind of leaves you wanting more is, is the best way to put it. Right. And the other thing that's really good, and we'll get into it, is there's a great segue into the next song. Like. Yes. Some of the songs segue better than others. I thought some of them have brilliant mm. segues. Some of them were a little, little rougher, but I thought they tried to segue. I wish she would have found a way to segue the whole album a little tighter, but for the most part, I liked what she did at the segue. So, prelude, Baroque type of uh, R&B sound, unique. It got my attention. It did what it needed to do with this uh, uh, opening, great opening track. I love the idea of a prelude, the idea of, you know, I do too. I'm a big on preludes. Setting uh, up the yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that yeah. description of it. Yeah. So this goes into your next track, Coop, which um we were talking about the, you're talking about the previous track, maybe not holds up on its own, but it's sort of crucial to the album construction. Yeah. Uh we're now in one we're starting to get into hit territory. We're now into 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 tracks that yeah. got a lot of hits. Yeah. Uh which is hold up is track number two. Yeah. So nice segue into this one. Uh, this is a little more of a hip hop vibe with this track, mm -hmm. um, but what I wrote on here is is the spoken word is very powerful on here. Um, mm -hmm. There's some very interesting uh, type of um, percussion or sound effects on this track. Mm -hmm. It kind of mm -hmm. reminded me of a not. It, it kind of had this Tom Waits type of. I don't know what was being used for some of the sounds that the yeah, yeah. sound, but it was really good. And it kind of was so balanced nicely against some of that spoken word stuff. Uh, mm. And I know you're going to get into the topic of denial. I thought the spoken mm. word piece, there's no better, more powerful way to talk about denial. I mean, to, to demonstrate denial than to, than to speak it as opposed to sing it, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, so, so, and again, it segues nice into the third track as well. So I, I uh, like I said, uh, this was another great track. Great. If, if you had to just do a second track. Perfect here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's it's kind of kind of like seamlessly moving to denial. Yeah. Uh, where she's trying to explain, it's sort of she's blaming herself. Uh, she needs to prove her love to him that it's not like his fault. She's kind of going back and forth, 
uh, lots of self-blame, lots of like, well, what's going on? I think this is the first track, Coop. Well, not the first track, but this track for me, I wrote down in my notes, adds a lot when you take the emotions into account. Yes. So when you take, when you listen to this song, already knowing about this sort of chapter setup structure she has, I think it added a lot more to the song to me than it yeah. did before. Yeah. If you know what I mean. And that's what some of that, kind of, some of that background stuff that was going on really just emphasized what, what these yeah. emotions really well. And you could see these segues, like you could see the end of this song. We're starting to get into anger a bit. We're moving in there, uh, which is going to take off, you know, later on. But she's starting to get a bit of anger in there, kind of moving through these emotions. Uh, now, this is classic Beyonce writing structure in that she brings in a ton of writers who may only write one verse. Right. And then what she does is she knows the concept she wants. So they throw out. I mean, you got to think of it like a writing room for a show. Yeah. They throw out these ideas. Beyonce's there and she takes those ideas and sort of like puts it together into one vision. Yeah, she really well. She wants. Really well done. Yeah. Um, to the point where Father John Misty, uh, Beyonce really liked his music. And so she just sent him like the chorus, right? Of the song and said, Can you write, can you write some lyrics around that? And he's like, Okay. So she sent she sent him the hook. He wrote a few verses and he said, like, months later, she wrote, she contacted him and said, oh, yeah, I'm using one of those and credited him as a writer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 he and, and what he sort of says is that that she's a very talented writer. And the way he knows that is because she can bring together all these sort of pieces into one really good song. Yeah. Yeah. So even though she doesn't even though it's not the classic like Taylor Swift structure where she just like writes a song, you know. Or or Dolly Parton sits down and writes Jolene on like a napkin or something. She she is still you know a, a lot in this writing process and a writer herself, even though it's sort of in this very you know team oriented process. So that that happened with this song um, and Father John Misty. It's just like it's she'll just like where does she get Father John Misty from? Like it's right, 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 right. I know. Um, but yeah, so she involves all these people from all these different genres and stuff like that. Um, but now, Coop, we sort of touched on anger in the last song. Now we're going full, full anger. We're embracing the anger in uh, Don't Hurt Yourself. Yes. Which is probably, mm, I would say, close to my favorite song on the on the record. Right. I think it is my favorite song. Her, like, her teaming up with Jack White on this song is just fire. It is just an right. unbelievable pairing. Right. I never would have thought of, but it's perfect. Like her going off in his like seventies like organ with like some gospel vibe, and it's just crazy. I right. love this song. I love it. It's great. Jack White sings on it as well. Um, now. She, you might notice if you look at the credits, Led Zeppelin is credited on this song, right? And it's because they sampled some of when the levee breaks. And in an interview, they asked her about that, and she said that what she was doing was that a lot of British acts in that British invasion, um, like stole, you know, in her words, and and you know, pretty much, yeah, we were just stolen, yeah, <laughs> in the court words, yeah, stole African American blues. 
and called it their own and used it to profit off it. And so what she was doing is by sampling it on this song is she was reclaiming it is what she was sort of right, but giving it. Yeah, but they're not stealing it. <laughs> yeah, which is very interesting. Uh, and it kind of fits into to the article and stuff yeah. we've talked about with yep. Led Zeppelin specifically. Coop and I have talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe Beyonce, you know, heard that show and she's like, oh, yeah, um, it, it is a very intense track. Yeah. Like the intensity of this track is crazy. I love this track. But I would say, like, from the other two tracks, Coop, to move to this intense track is the tonal shift is quite, yeah. quite hard. Yeah. Um, what What did you think of this? So I think the key words here are those themes going from denial to anger. Really key with District. Now, this yeah. song took a while to grow on me because I'd heard this one before. I knew it got yes. the Grammy rock nomination. Remember, it got a rock. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I wasn't, I don't know. It just, it didn't hook me right away. Um. But then when I listened to it on this album, and again, listening to it in the whole emotional cycle and everything, how I, I took a totally different spin of this thing, right? So let's talk about the Zeppelin piece first. Yeah. When the levy breaks, how yep. appropriate it is to use mm. that song? Because then look at when denial, deny, you deny, 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 and then mm. finally you just snap and you're angry. It's, it's like the levy breaking. That's, on. that's yeah. the levy breaking. Yeah. It was brilliant when you put that in there, right? But I keep going back. I thought there was a Beatles influence in this thing, right? There yeah. was a little bit of a psychedelic vibe in here. And when, when she's going, let it be, let it be, let it be, I kept thinking, oh. there's a Beatles. This is a Beatles reference as well. Um, And I thought there were interesting words to say in a song about anger, about let it be. Because anger is mm. you usually can't let it be. But I think it was kind of her response to the anger is kind of how I looked at it. So this is I have, the, like I said, listening to this in the sequence. Now mm. I can kind of even pull this out and see the brilliance of this because I understand what this song is about here. And I didn't know about the Zeppelin sampling um, until this album. And cause I yeah. put two and two together on it. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I looked at the credits. I'm like, James Page. And I'm like, oh, it's Led Zeppelin. That's right. Yeah, so it's it's one levy break. So I think it was a brilliant track. Uh, and again, you're three you're three songs in here, and you see you see what this thing is delivering here right now. The 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 build to this song, to when you say that, and that's an excellent point. That levy breaks is a great point you make, because then when it breaks at the end, it's just like, who the fuck do you think I am? And I was like, Jesus, like yeah. she just lose, she just goes ballistic yeah and 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 just this like napalm yeah and and i think because that's a side of beyonce too that up until this record we haven't seen right right so it's a lot of pop stuff she 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 she'll do some hip-hop stuff a lot of like you know ballady she gets a bit sexier on the album before this but we've never seen the side of anger yeah from her yeah and to hear it expressed so viscerally and so raw was just like wow yeah <laughs> she goes off yep and and so and so we have that sort of outpouring of anger and then coop we do another another like abrupt shift because yeah. the next song is called sorry sorry yeah it's like huh yeah um oh. so so if we're looking at at 
emotion-wise, we're moving from anger to like in her chapters, we're into apathy. Yeah. So what'd you make of this one? Well, it's interesting because my first again when I first listened to this, like she's not exactly apologetic in this track, right? Even though it's called Ooh. sorry, right? It's kind of like Meh. you know, as I you know, it's kind of like a yeah. little bit of that. Um, I thought musically, I know you have a lot to say about this too. I thought musically. I picked up a very good EDM vibe in this song. Yes. Nice use of EDM in here. So again, there's a lot of different types of musical influence, but it's, it it flows really nicely. It's not just a, it's not a, uh, it's not a, you know, it's not just a smorgasbord of different sounds. Mm. It's the right type of music thing to portray these emotions, which was really good. And then I, I know you have more to say in this. Becky, I said, it has to be Jay-Z's mistress. I mean, that's all I kept thinking about. I mean, you may know a little more on that one, but I think Becky was the mistress from my research because that's how I took this out of it. Yeah, that was the big viral line out of this uh, record was uh, Becky with the good hair. Becky with the good hair, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And and I, I, yeah, I mean, the psychedelic piece that you bring up and her taking from different genres, which we're going to get into more genres. There's a lot of genres. That's what is so brilliant about this. Very experimental album. from her. Like, very. Yeah. yeah. Like, the album did so well that you look at it now and you're like, well, of course, like, all these songs work. But at, when she releases it, like, these are genres she's never gone in before, you know? You, you know, I don't listen to a lot of, like, radio anymore. Yeah. Right? I have I have Sirius XM. I never, this album doesn't seem like it's a very radio-friendly album, is what I'm just going to say to you. There's a couple it's big al- hits off it. There's but a couple yeah. big hits, but it's more album. Or, it's like, it was a throwback to listening to album-oriented albums, which were mostly rock albums in the 70s and 80s. That yeah. was why I really got this. I'm like, this is a, a thing you want to play the album from start to, I keep emphasizing that, and you're going you're gonna to see this very different. I think, too, Coop, that with this one, you're really starting to see how we've shifted from radio to stream. Yes. Right? Because you get, you get like, the previous song, right? Like, Don't Hurt Yourself. She talks about, oh, you could get fucked, and, like, do you think I'm this bitch? And, like, you'd never play that on the radio. No, no. Um, But it has, like, 300 million hits, right? Yeah. So it's it's a switch from from making a pop hit through streaming than they need to rely on radio. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. Which is interesting with this record because it kind of all sort of happens around this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're in apathy. Big tonal, huge tonal shift. Yeah. Uh, and it's the sort of like, were you saying like she's like, oh, you're sorry, oh, okay, I guess, and like trying to play it off like she doesn't care. She has yeah. lyrics that oh, she's too busy dancing to think about him. But then near the end, Coop, we get to this, like, her singing about feeling alone yeah, and crying, but that's okay. I could take my baby and I could survive by myself. It's this really heartbreaking kind of, you know, I want to break down, but I can't allow myself to do it. So I'm just going to pretend that I don't care. It's a very sort of emotionally raw song when you, like, listen, when you, like, break the lyrics down. Yep. Um. You know, in a different side than than anger, because we're gonna go to another song that I adore, and this was another big song. Yep. And that's six inch coop with the weekend. With the weekend. The weekend. Oh, this song was so good. Because we go to another tonal shift again. 
like we, we talk about, so she said apathy. Um, now we're at emptiness. Yeah. And it's very interesting. So this, I never got the emptiness part of this until I knew about the structure and I was looking at it through that lens. Because you have a lot of lyrics around those feminist lyrics that she talks about power and sex and it's about this woman that just walks on the dance floor and she just owns it and she's like sounds like could be a prostitute possibly uh the time of she's working for the money maybe she's a stripper i'm not quite sure around the context of that um but there's all this sort of like power and sex and money but like and she talks about like that's a great line where she murdered everybody and I was her witness when she came on the dance floor. Right, I love that right. line. <laughs> yeah. But she's sort of like, you know, like emptiness. And it's kind of like she had this woman in the song has all these material things, but doesn't really amount to anything. Yeah. Like she keeps, keeps wanting to get more, you know, and she keeps getting more and more and more, but it doesn't really fill her up. Like it's just still sort of empty. Yeah. Um, and there's an interesting story with this. So we've finally gone over the four minute mark. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting story is Animal Collective is a band that had a song she liked that had the chorus was kind of similar to this song. Right. And so instead of trying to battle it out in the courts, she just wrote them and said, like, hey, how about I give you a writing credit? <laughs> this song. Well, at least if, and they're like, you know, okay. Now they were good. If if they would have called Abba, this would have been another story. You know, Bjorn and Bar- uh, Bjorn and Benny would have wanted a big check. I can tell you, a big, big check. But yeah. Oh, I think I think out of the out of the eleven eight sales, I think the Animal Collective is doing okay. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Good move for them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she's like, let's just it's close enough. Let's just get him yeah. on this right yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting song. Um. Like I said, the tonal shifts in the last three songs have been like whiplash. Really. They, they, they've been, they've been, yeah. They're, they're not like gradual emotions. They're no, they're snap emotions um, is what happens. I think the transitions we'll get to it. The transitions in the back half of the album aren't uh, as jarring. Agree, agree, yeah. But this first half, it's like you're going everywhere. So, yeah. like, what, what did you think of, uh, of, uh, of this track? So this was another case. This was probably a song I wouldn't have put on my playlist till I listened to the mm. whole album. And then it's an integral part of this, and I really appreciate what it is. So this is another case where I listened to this, and I had a completely different feel of this. And I think you really nailed a lot of your notes here. Uh, and I think the melody just really brings out those those um, you know lyrics really well. Mm. So I tried to look. You 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 did a great job covering it. So I was trying to look at some other angles with this, and I kind of started thinking about single ladies, Beyonce's mm. single ladies, right? And I almost looked at this, not that it doesn't sound anything like that, but this was almost like the next chapter of Single Ladies, like 15 yeah. years later, right? Let's go mm. 15 years later, where it's the next chapter, it's the antithesis, right? Um, And I think in this case, Beyonce's now again looking at being single and feeling lonely, mm. and mm. she's not looking to put a ring on it anymore. I, I She really doesn't know what she wants to do. Yeah, but I kind of thought about this, and I'm like, this is again. If I look at single ladies as as the prequel, like to this, mm. to this, the, the story in Lemonade unfolding, um, I just thought this was the antithesis. Uh, again, single, but she's looking at being single, very di- like she's looking at the possibility of being yep. single, very different than 
hey, I just want to get married. Put a ring on it, baby. You know, it's like, so I, yeah, thought, I thought it was yeah. an interesting contrast that that harkened me back to that song. Um, but but mm. just in a different point of view I had of it. No, it's interesting because it's all, it's the same theme, but like it has a totally different emotional resonance. Yeah. Like that is, that's very interesting. Yep. Yeah. No, it's yeah, because, yeah. like, she couldn't put... I mean, it's interesting, too, like, if you think of, like, I don't think she could make this album at that time. Like, no. I just don't think, she, you know... No. This is an album where you need to have, I think, a lot of different life experiences and stuff to put together, something this complex. Yeah, I I uh, I also thought Single Ladies was a very personal song in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah. That's why I kind of looked at this, as, as, look at that as a prequel... To, to lemonade a lot you know now it's a lot like i don't think he would be singing single ladies on this album you know during during this cycle mm. what i'm saying now the next song you talk about hits coop oh, this is a bona fide multi-genre hit totally. here totally that still gets played into the ground yeah to this day and that is daddy lessons Best track of the album in my book. This was my favorite mm, track. Get into it, Coop. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's like kind of this New Orleans jazzy type of start to it, right? But then it goes into yes, this, it goes it, it, it goes into a country vibe. It and, and and when I say country, it's going back to those old school country songs, like you know the old school where you sing about like the bad marriage, your you know yeah, your childhood, your your parents, but there's still an R and B vibe to it and i think she mm. the country but but it's a country track right and yes. then that's why i was so excited when i heard about this country album because this song was so good and she's able to pull mm. the country off but it's not just that lyrically it's an unbelievable song right and mm. it's a story of how a father's trying to teach his daughter lessons in life uh and i know you're gonna get into what some of those lessons are i'm gonna hold that but then the last part of the song is she's taking those life's lessons that her father taught her and putting them into action. Mm. And I thought that was really, really good. And it fits into the theme of accountability with that. I think it kind of explains the whole accountability theme. It's like this song is all the background mm. on that whole accountability theme. Mm. This is a great song. And it's, again, even better when I listen to it. In, like I said, this was another whiplash snap from the previous one, but but man, <laughs> yeah, but man, this is this is this is this is this is just pure brilliance. This track, I I cannot get enough of this song. It was so good. Yeah. So my first note is that here we are with accountability paired with guns. Look out, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I was <laughs> thinking about the guns thing, and I'm like, uh, and then when you wrote that, like, oh, I'm like, Dave just talked. That's 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 brilliant. <laughs> Look out. Um, no, but I, I think, too, which is interesting, because we're looking, we're doing an album archaeology of this song, like, what, eight years after the fact. Yeah. And to think that Beyonce, at that time, if you're like, Beyonce's going to do a country song, right? Yeah. And not only is she going to do a country song, she's going to do it with the chicks. And not only is she going to do that, but it's going to, like, melt the internet down. It's nope. gonna be the biggest yeah. hit ever. Yeah. You'd say you're insane. Yeah. Um. So I I think it's a real bold move for her to do a country song. I agree. Um, now from Houston, she would have grown up with country. 
so it probably wasn't totally foreign to her. Um, like, you know, it's not like The weekend doing a country song or something. Oh, like, great. She would have been steeped in that and probably listened to a lot of it, you know. But she went old so, school. She went old school country. Old with this. school country. Yeah, she went yeah. old school country with this song. Yeah. And I think the new album has a bit of that old school vibe to it. I'm excited um, about that. I really mm, want to hear it. Yeah. Because if that's just if this is just a sample of that, I, I think mm, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And it's good. Um, So. It, 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 it did melt the Internet down. Like, I love how you talk about that initial New Orleans jazz bit, because that's great pick and i thought she that's calls out one at first but that's and then it just changes yeah she calls out texas in it name checks texas yeah you gotta do that uh there's been a couple versions of the song so famously she performed it at the cmas with yes. the chicks and there's a single version of that where the chicks play more of a role in the song than they do here and they like do a bit of a medley with a uh, long time gone and stuff like that. And that's a great version. I love that. Ver I think I like that version more, um, but it's an excellent song. Um, I've seen the chicks perform this song, which was great. Uh, it's got a great bridge. It's got a great bridge on it and it's very catchy. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, it's so good, but you know, it was a bold move. Yeah, and I don't know what part of Texas Beyonce is from, right? She's from Houston. Yeah, I okay, think. so she's from Houston. So this kind of reminded me of Beaumont, Texas, which okay. is kind of in between uh, New Orleans. It's 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 Beaumont sits closer to the Louisiana border, so I can kind of right, see okay. that yeah, yeah, New yeah. Orleans influence. Yeah. So so I was kind of like, yeah, I could see. Was it New Orleans? About four hours from Houston, so Beaumont's kind of like the midway point, I would say, between New Orleans and Houston. So maybe it's about five hours. I, it's probably a little longer than that. But yeah, so I, I kind of got it. And now with the Texas roots putting it in, I can see how it all fits. Bold move, though, still. Yep. I mean, geez. Yep. Uh, but like to your point, if that's if you don't got that song, you're not getting this country album. Like I think the only reason she's doing it is because that song did so well. It did so well. Yeah. And so people are like, oh, yeah, give me a Beyonce country yep. album. Yep. Um. So the next song we go to is Love Drought, which is Reformation. So what we're what we're doing now is like we're heading into the back half of this cycle where it's like we're in rebuilding and forgiving. And a lot of like we said before, a lot of these songs, there's still going to be some big shifts, but a lot of these songs kind of lead nicely into the next. Like there are, it's not as abrupt. Yeah. With the exception of one song, which is very abrupt. But uh, we're in Reformation. So she's doing a big shift to this kind of pop dub sort of crazy bass yeah. track, which I love, um, but far away from Daddy Lessons. Yeah. Um, so the track starts with her questioning herself uh, about the way she's going to be building their life together and rebuilding herself. Um, it's kind of the only way back. Like the only way back from this is if we rebuild it. Like we can't. Like I'm not in a position where I want to end this. We, we all we can do now is rebuild it and rebuild myself back up. Yeah. Through this process. Yep. Uh, killer hooks on the track. Agree. Uh, I, I like the track, but yep. we're 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 sort of 
moving into a more of a rebuilding phase. Yeah. What did you What did you think of this track, Coop? Um, I thought this had a little more of a classic pop R and B vibe. This track, mm -hmm. uh, which is which worked well, and I thought this was a very interesting transition because the last two tracks were more female headstrong tracks. So yep. this was kind of a, another interesting where we kind of go that reflect that's that self-reflective type of you, you mentioned the theme of reformation. I was curious what this song was about. I didn't know quite what it was about now. According mm. to when I did some research, uh it was written oh, by yeah. uh, it was written by Beyonce and Ingrid Burley and Mike Dean. And uh I guess Burley actually has said that this song was written was is it's not about the unpleasant experience with maybe Jay-Z, like everyone thinks, it's it's related to a business issue that they were having with Parkwood Entertainment, who like represented mm. them. And I guess Burley said the song was conceived after two representatives of the label lied to her and said Beyonce wasn't working on new music. She was trying to get new music for Beyonce. Now, I'm mm. sure that's kind of maybe that was the inspiration for the song. But I think there's a personal vibe with Beyonce on. Oh, this yeah. Too. So I thought it was an interesting um it was interesting this whole reformation type of thing, um, you know. But I, mm. I, I again, really, really good track. And uh, what I'll also say is, you know, it was just again fit really well um, with that with that whole theme of reformation. Yeah, I think what's interesting is because we moved from a, lots of track, like the, the the opening half of the record is very not just personal, but you're sort of talking about these feminist yeah. themes where it's like. Yeah. Her on her own. This is me. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm feeling. It's all, you know, these these themes around, not just like not just where women fit within these relationships societies, but it's like around her yeah. personal growth and her sort of like individual experience, right? Yeah. Which is a classic sort of feminist theme of like the personal is political, and so you know my personal experience is talking these wider issues. Yep. Yeah. But then I think what's interesting, which you sort of what you bring up as well, is now we're moving into the like, OK, well, how do I keep these sort of really like themes of, you know, feminist themes? But now I'm looking at, well, it's not just about me. Like, how how can I take that with myself and what I've learned about myself and apply it to rebuilding this relationship? Yeah. Which is interesting. We're moving yeah. to more like, well, how are we going to? come back together where the beginning was more about like well how am i on my own um which is interesting which leads into the next one coop yep yeah sandcastle sandcastles which is another big hit yep um off the record yep um i i get the i kind of feeling you like this song a lot when i first heard it mm -hmm. um and it's around the theme of forgiveness i'm gonna hold let you talk more about that part but this song was a little more stripped down. Mm. And it's two things. It's the vocals of Beyonce and the piano. Oof. That's the story of this song. That's the power Oof. of this song. That's all you need with this song. And again, I was kind of curious where this one came from. And it was written by someone by the name of Vincent Berry. And he was inspired um, by this after the, the uh, breaking up with a girlfriend he had for 10 years. So he kind of came up with this idea of we, we build sandcastles that washed away. It's forgiveness, but it's also kind of, I think there's a little bit of more reformation that's happening mm. in this one. Um, and uh, from what I understand, he offered this to someone else first, 
uh, somebody named Tiana Taylor, but but eventually Barry thought this was better for Beyonce. So I think it's another case where something was inspired. Like the song may have been inspired different, but Beyonce comes in and fits in with the whole personal story here very well. Uh, and then mm. there's then I will say this is one of those tracks that segues great to the next track as well. Mm. I'd love to hear Todd. That next track is more crucial than you originally believe. <laughs> yeah, right yeah. Uh, so we moved to forgiveness, like Coop said. I do love this track, like you yeah. said. Yeah, I can see. Uh, yeah. Um, the piano, like you said, very. I, I found which is interesting because I, I, in listening to it in one go, I found myself in these later tracks comparing them to earlier tracks. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Whereas if you just listen to them as singles, it's almost like in a vacuum. You don't really. Yeah. But I found when she talks about forgiveness, there's all this gospel vibe. The vocals are very raw and emotional. You have this choir and it's a very sort of spiritual song. Yeah. Right. It, so yeah, it's sort of gospel-esque, like. Gospel-esque. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like forgiveness has this very spiritual vibe. Like forgiveness is such a spiritual thing. Whereas you look back at the previous one, like Six Inch, and a lot of those songs were full of like material things. They were very sort of sharp club songs or like really sharp, harsh rock songs. Whereas this is 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 about like the the, the spirituality of it and giving it meaning. I found interesting that forgiveness is wrapped up in this gospel spiritual vibe where the other emotions were more wrapped up in material things and, and you know, that side of things. So it's I just still, interesting to, when you're comparing this to, like, other previous tracks. I found yeah. it interesting. The, the other point I didn't make in the notes, but, um, you know, that, that line, we built sound castles that washed away, I actually yeah. think was a little bit of the next theme, which is resurrection. So I think you mm. got a little bit of a preview. That's why I thought this was a really good segue into the next song because I think it, it it there was some theme of resurrection I got in this one as well. And it goes heavier with the next track I know. Well let's get to that next track forward. You think it was bold for Beyonce to do a country song? Yeah. How about you do a song where she barely is even on the song? Yeah. I, 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 I didn't one. know what her role was on the song. I gotta be honest with you. So this is a very bold move. Right. Uh to have James Blake almost in the entire track. And it's resurrection. And I found this very interesting when I sort of look at it from, you know, a conceptual thing. Yeah, I agree. Is that we have this 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 sort of cycle that she's been in, and then it's almost like James Blake as acts as the voice of God, right? Because his his vocal on this is so up in the mix and it's so epic, uh that it's sort of like I said. It's kind of uh, it's coming in and bringing their relationship back from the dead. So there's a lot of talk about death and rebirth and things like that. But I think artistically, the track is really crucial because it it, it has it marks this break where they they're now going to rebuild. They're moving forward. Yeah. And I think having James Blake on it is interesting. Because it, it it really drives that home, and he it's kind of this disembodied voice that like acts as God on the record, and yeah. and 
I found it very interesting artistically to to do that. And it's not a long track. What's it like a minute and a half? Well, like a minute. Yeah, it's like under a minute and a half. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what did you think of this song? I mean, in, in a vacuum, you're like, why does this song on you? Right, right. But, uh, I had not heard this until yeah. I heard the album either. Uh, this is this is an example of the really good construction of this album. Uh, it really is. Uh, it's a bridge song. Yeah. This is a bridge song. You talked a lot about that whole bridge, and, and I think you really laid out um, the whole resurrection thing. But it is a dark song. That I mm. I was like, this is taking – I didn't know where this was going, right? This is taking a very dark turn in the, in the song, which I didn't didn't expect that at all. Um, but it works. Um, and yeah, it's a bold move putting James on it. But I think he, I think this worked better having her not sing this track. Yeah, you, you I look agree. At the whole lemonade, like that whole again that cycle in lemonade. I think it, I think I said it's it's dark. I I did not see Ooh, this. Yeah. I mean, I just did not see this. I mean. This is like I said. It, it you wouldn't be playing this at a Super Bowl halftime show. This no, <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. It, yeah. It's an integral component to this album. It is. Yeah, I think it's interesting because in order to have resurrection, like something's got to die. Yeah, right. So yeah. it's sort of like the two sides of resurrection. In the one hand, you're getting new life, but on the other hand, like something's got to die in order to be resurrected. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it was. Yeah. It is. It is, like when you listen to the song and you're listening to the record, it is jarring. Yep. You're like, whoa. Yep. yep. <laughs> exactly. Which I think it's a point. Yeah. Yeah. Now we get into like another big hit that I love. Um, got some great collabs on this, and that's Freedom, which was a huge hit. Um and so we're we're moving, we're moving into freedom, we're moving out of resurrection, um, and into into the end of the record. So what'd you think of this track? Um, really, really good one. Um, I thought there were a lot of elements again, gospel feel because now you have this uh, hope theme. Yep. A uh, little bit of the psychedelic sound points of it. Um, Kendrick doing the rap here is is, is mm, great. I think the spoken word at the end of this song again works really really well. Mm. Um, again, uh, I I see when I listen to this in the in the context, I think it's really good. Um, but I'm gonna have you take the lead on a lot of the whole idea of uh hope in this one because i think you uh you you laid it out really well so i'm going to turn that part back over to you now thank you Coop. no you're right i mean we're in the joy here yeah so we, we've we've gone to the somber depths of resurrection with james blake we I, talked about i thought this was really going to take a bad turn too like after this. <laughs> but then it's this just this explosion of every like it's very wall of sound this track like the yeah. organs going nuts like there's just tons of tons of 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 sound on here. Lots of spiritual imagery, lots of feminist themes around power and survival. And the way I saw it as freedom and calling it freedom, it's kind of two kind of two tracks because you have Kendrick Lamar sort of rapping about um you know, social injustice and stuff and freedom more of a justice sense. But for her, it's like now she's free of that anger and emptiness and she's ready to, you know, like forgive, rebuild. And it's that 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 freedom from those things gives her the hope. Right. Like she's not hanging on to it anymore. Um, which I love. Uh, the organs back. Uh, Kendrick's 
killer, spirituality, social injustice, racism, hope. He's got it all in there. Um, and the interesting bit here is so we have a quote at the end, and that's actually the lemon, it's the lemonade quote, right? That you were talking about in the beginning. And that's from Jay Z's grandmother, Hetty White. Yes. Um, does that quote and they have some samples from a song recorded in 1947 by what's credited as prisoner 22 of the Mississippi state penitentiary. And it's sort of like having that in there kind of blends in all those justice themes, freedom, social injustice, you know, racial justice. It's like all of these things are going on in this song like it, it could be the song and it's a lot of stuff it's freedom for her personally and emotionally it could be seen as like a civil rights track it's there's a lot going on in the song it's a song with a lot happening um but if you look at it strictly within this chapter um she's now free of these things which will then allow her to rebuild the relationship because you can't rebuild it if you're still hanging on to anger and emptiness and, and those sorts of things so she's freed herself of that yeah um, and this track is just killer. Like I just love this track. Great yeah. energy on yeah. this track. It was an that organ's just killer. Yeah, it really is. Um. Yeah, this was interesting. It was a good rap episode. You know, maybe some of the socio political themes that are. I think they're more analogies in this song than a social political. Yes. Maybe that kind of does play into the next song a bit, where, where it doesn't. It's just. It just that next track is not person. It's not the emotional cycle it's in. That's the difference with it. Um, but musically, this is a really good track. Um, you know, I was trying to come up with where I would classify this as. Yes, there's an R&B vibe, but there's something else right. to this track. I don't know if it was ska or reggae. It was something I couldn't put my finger on, but it seemed like I kept going back. This this had a little bit of a ska feel to it, for whatever reason. It's sort of like, you remember the 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 George Michael song, with the Freedom 90. Yes. It has that vibe. Like, it's a very sort of anthemic. Yeah. Where it's just belting out freedom. Yeah. This the same thing. The same yeah. thing. Yeah. Very similar type of thing. I agree with you on that. Um, For sure. Uh, You know. It's such a, it's such a call and response, like, Baptist church vibe, too, I get from it. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole, the whole verse, all night long, love all night long, sweet love all yeah. night long. We together, I remember. I mean, it kind of brings this whole thing that you went through with JD to some closure here, uh, too. Uh, I thought the whole, I, the whole, I thought the whole thing about baptizing your tears again. Yeah. It kind of fits in with this whole uh, theme that's going on with uh, redemption, you know, mm. forgiveness, you know, resurrection. How are you? It, it, I thought it, I thought it wrapped up this emotional cycle very, very nicely here. I felt like so I this, came to a conclusion yeah. with this. So this is this is all night, which is the final track. Yeah. Well, it's not the final track, but it's the final track of the cycle. Yeah. Um, and I think the quote that got me, and you're talking about the sky vibe, which I totally love, and all of that, and now it's a solid track. Um, is you have this tr this quote at the end. Where she says, I miss you, my love, at the end of the track. And yes. you compare that to track one, 
where she's questioning his every move. Right, right. And it's like the tra- the name of the song. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like she's questioning everything. She knows something's up. Then she, you know, don't hurt yourself. She basically like what you know is just going off on him into this yeah. idea that she missed missed him. Yes. Um, it's just this this total like emotional arc of of the record, which yeah. I think in listening to this whole record in one go, I think you get that a lot more than not, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Because you hear that and you're like, wow, like beginning of the record wasn't like that, right? Um, yeah. So that so so, I think. This too, this this redemption is she's sort of redeemed as well because I think it's like she's seeing that her faith in herself and the faith in the relationship is paying off, yeah. and she's getting redemption for that. Like it wasn't for nothing, you know. Yeah. Um. But now, Coop, we go to formation. Like you yeah. take formation off, and this is an incredible. I mean, it's a masterful concept record. Yeah. I mean, it is anyway. Yeah. But if you take formation off, you're like, wow, that record's incredible. <clears throat> formation being on there, you're kind of like, oh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because I like the song. But I mean, what did you think of so, this on here? I mean, when I when I listen to this song, there's this Minneapolis sound in this song. Yes. So yep. I you know, I, I kind of envision her doing this with Prince, actually. It's, you know, if he was still alive. Oh yeah. Um but outside of that Minneapolis sound, it didn't do anything for me in terms of the listening experience of Lemonade. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I get the social political messaging and its importance, right? But you, you could have left this off and it wouldn't have missed the beat is what my point is on that. Um, But there is a little irony because this this song was recorded like 2016, yeah. right? And I don't know. Maybe it's a little prophetic for what happened in Minneapolis four years late, five years mm. later. You know what I mean? I thought that was kind of, you know, I kind of looked at kind of interesting because, again, this song just screamed Minneapolis sound for me. Mm-hmm. It just screamed the, the Minneapolis. It has that whole vibe of it. Um, and now I just kind of I just it was interesting. So, again, I don't think it belonged on the album, per se. I understand like, all the reasons. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's different. It's just, you know, maybe they need they want to fill up a little more. It's not a filler track. I don't want to say it's a no, either, but it doesn't fit in with the other songs. Yeah. No, I mean, this is my thinking. It was We talked about it before. I mean, I love the track. It's about African-American pride, pride yourself, racial injustice, police brutality. Famously, in the video, it had flood police cars referencing Katrina and the poor yeah. police response to black areas, which was very controversial. Sure. Um, and it had a message of like African-American neighborhoods feeling that they were forgotten by wider society. So you have all of that. Right. And it's a great track. And I love all those themes. And I love this track. And it's still great today. But I agree with Coop. Like, I don't know why it's on this record. I almost think that it was a re- it was a label decision. And that the labels like, listen, we're dropping this concept album out of nowhere. <laughs> that that has a country song on it and James Blake. Like we want some guaranteed sales. This track yeah. is huge. We're putting it up. Right. Right. I think like, it's exactly that's sort like... of how I felt about it. Yeah, I agree. Because the record wasn't even conceived with this track in mind because she has this whole cycle. Yeah. You know, 
So it feels like it's a label decision to me. It, to it boost does. Sales. Like I said, even though the previous track had, had a little bit of a socio-political thing, but it was used very differently. This this was a yes. social-political message. That was an analogy. It was a, me and I think that's why this was such an anthemic song when when yeah. things transpired. Uh with it i could see why people gravitate because i think this song took on another life when that happened but yes again i it really it just screamed prince this song to me it really yeah. did that whole sound yeah mm. but yeah as a total i mean i think that's been the thing about this album that's la that uh, the other view lasted is like well yeah formations on it but that was yeah. sort of tacked on yeah. it's sort of like the, the yeah. view i don't know yeah. if she's talked about that but it feels like the label's like, we want some guaranteed sales. Put that hit on there. Yeah, exactly. Is what it sounds like. Yep. Um, final thoughts about the record, Coop? Yeah, three points I'll make. Um, first is this is a case where the sum of the parts is greater than the individual songs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, by far, it's, 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 and what great out, by the way, I gotta just take it off to the album because I wouldn't have, a lot of times with album construction, sometimes I'll say, I'll move this one around. I ain't moving anything around with this. No, this was, this was yeah. this was laid out. It would have been interesting to see how this is an A side and a B side, uh, but mm. but regardless, I think you still have to keep it in the same order with this. That's interesting. The A side, B side, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't see how you get rid of the order. It'd be interesting to see where you cut the sides because it wouldn't be for time because the album's not that long. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would say maybe you cut the side. I mean, it's the tough part is. You Oof. cut the sides around uh, Love Drought or Daddy Lessons. I don't know. It's I tough. don't know. But anyway, you're, you're, the album construction, like you said, is is, is yeah. Perf yeah. perfect. And, a, and like I said, the conceptual flow puts a big spin on why this is good. Mm. It should have been Adele's 25 <laughs> album for album of the year. I don't, I'm not knocking Adele's album. It wasn't the, but this was an absolute, because when I looked at the nominees, this was, this was a miscarriage of justice. Um, oh, God. This is where they got it wrong. Um, I, I'm not a Beyonce fan like you. I came out of this album, how amazing this album is. Um, and I think there's a lot of people, maybe Cigar Smoke, if you haven't listened to this from start to finish, you need to listen to it that way. Even if you, you know, and, and take take what you may think of Beyonce out of the equation, if you don't like her, but you got to appreciate what this album is. This is this is a masterpiece, Dave. I, I see why you've been so high on this album over the years. Totally. I, I think it's her best album yeah i think um just because of the conceptual part of it and her going to so many different genres and having it like work as a as a whole like work. you could have like good singles off it but to have them all come together and work together into one thing yeah is really impressive i think the concept of the 11 chapters i think i think uh if she followed through it really well and it, it, it all connected together which I think re I said rewards multiple listens because like I said, I listen to this album all the time, but I never really sat down and thought about it and listened to it front to back. Yes. And when I did, I was like, wow, it was almost yeah, like a it, new album. It's a, yeah, it, it, the experience, it's an experience you're going to get from this. Album. Yeah. Yeah. I said, it's a masterpiece and like IO, it's kind of a one in a million record for me. Yeah. It's a tough one. Like, to top. It's a tough one. to top. <laughs> I don't, I don't think she does another one. Right. Like this. I mean, she could have other good albums, but like, yeah, I don't think you get this. No, I mean, it's sort of like you look at those higher concept albums. Like you look at OK Computer, IO, you look at this record, you look at like Dark Side of the Moon um, and you're like, you ain't like you could, you, you, you know, 
Beyonce can make another million albums. Like she ain't making this album. No, Again. I agree. Like I it agree. is. Woo. I agree. Um, and I I see I like that. Man, I love that record. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, pick it up, check it out. Um, how's this? Let me get back to. I've been looking at my notes. Let me get back to Zoom. I can see Coop in person here. How's this? How's the cigar going? Really good. Um, you know, Red Meat Grove is called a very earthy type of cigar. Mm. Uh, so it's this has got to be about three or four years old. This cigar, uh, it's still got some, it's still very much medium to full, but it's gonna have that earthy profile. There's a little bit of sweetness. The nicotine's still there with this cigar, though. It's a strong cigar in the second mm. half. Um, so I yeah. slowed down smoking it a bit, but uh, it's a very, like I said, really good, good cigar. It, it, it held up very well because I think these came out in 2020 or 2021. Yes, so at least yes. three years of age are on these cigars, and, and they re released it, I think. Yeah, now. and now it's the ribeye, and now it's the ribeye. Yeah. So, uh, I'm smoking the age version, I'm very happy with it. And like I said, it's still got some power to this cigar. Oh, yeah, I got a question for you, Cooper, that cigar, which is a question. That most people have with cigars that have a rounded and a box press. Like, right. what what are you thinking? Like, what are you? What's you? What's your preference with that cigar? What What are you thinking between the box press and the rounded? Um, with this one, I go with the rounded. Yeah, by far. I mean, Padron's a different story. They're designed to be that, but the fact that, but the rounded ones just seem to perform better with this blend, for yeah. whatever reason. So yeah, I think the rounded one. I'd agree with that. I mean, I think I like how he went box press just to, for something different. He, he had three of the four sides of the box press and one's round, but he didn't have, like, he has all these broadleaf lines, but he doesn't have a box press one except for Sin Capromiso's Mexican. So these yeah. broadleaf ones, he didn't have that. So it made sense to him to make this box press. Uh, yeah, I prefer the the rounded as well. I yeah. think the I think where I differ with that is with the war bear, I might prefer the box press. See, I prefer the okay. round of the war. I'm on the DP side with that one. And for. And for warheads, just give me anything. Rounded box press, I love them all. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, they've because they've, they've done some rounded ones with the warhead, like a box press at a sixty ring gauge. Yeah, I like a box press sixty. I do too because it's a little smaller. It's, it doesn't feel, but you have plenty mm. of tobacco. You have plenty of those filler tobaccos still in it. Mm. Yeah. So this, this is how far I've been smoking this slow because I've been talking a lot. Yeah, I've been talking uh, too, but it's uh, it's it's a it's got I, I slowed down. It's got some. It's the strength is kicking out <laughs> a little bit. This is such a good cigar, Coop. I mean, you get all the flavors you want. You get it's a slow burner. In there. It's always a slow yep. burner. That 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 petite robusto. It's it's gonna give It'll you. It'll last. Yeah, it will last. I know you were talking, but it's not a fast burner by any means. No, construction's amazing. You're getting sweet notes. You're getting some leather, mm-hmm. some coffee. Like it's a great cigar. Yep. Like classic sort of notes. I think. Yep. Um. You won't go. You won't go wrong with the with the petite robusto. It's a great size. Yeah. Let's see what I got here. Mm. Oh, and you won't go wrong with that hundred años either. Nope, nope, that definitely not. Cook, give me one of those. <laughs> yeah, you'll have one another one coming in your next shipment. So uh, I can't but, believe. Cause did you get heat on that at Dojo for? I got That's... heat from not just Dojo. It wasn't Dojo, but a few people. No were critical. There was a lot of criticism I took from different angles. Some people said I didn't smoke it. I didn't, you know, some people said I didn't buy it. And you, some and you some people said Yeah, no, I've been buying most you of You bought them. it for other people. I did. 
And the other thing is, some people said I shouldn't have given it number one because you can't get it. Well, you can get well, it. It's you, hard. You can but, get it. But yeah. here's the problem. Here's the problem, Dave. I get the people who, who are saying I shouldn't have gave it number one, right? But you got to understand, yes. like, my job in the media, like, what do people ask me at a trade show? The, mo the more question I get is, what's the best cigar you had at the trade show, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, no yeah, one, yeah. if I say limited, no one gets mad at me, right? Or what's the biggest news story of the year? And I talk about a news story of the year. I got to talk about what the best cigar I had in the last calendar year. Do I want it to be unlimited? No. But well, I'm not going to yeah. take it away when it, this was far and be. This was a landslide winner for my cigar of the year this year. It wasn't close. They were great oh, cigars, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, but this was so far ahead of everything. Oh, that, I know. And I mean, like you said, yeah, the 100 Ranios. still get it. Yeah, I got it at uh, Caribbean Cigars down in Miami's got them, by the way. Um, oh, I'm, but I'm going oh, back there in a week, side. so I may be buying more. Because they ship here. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look at that. I love that cigar. That's a good yep. cigar. It's a really good cigar. It's Pepin's masterpiece, or the Garcia's masterpiece, um, in my opinion. We're getting a new music really quick, but another cigar. I really like that Oliva. What was it like? 134th? Was it? 135th. Yeah, a good cigar. God, I like yeah, that it cigar. was a good cigar. Very good cigar. Yeah, I think that made my list. I think love that made that. my list a couple of years ago. Yeah. A friend of mine sent me that cigar. And I'm like, oh, good cigar. Really good cigar. They come out with it every year now, so it's not a one and done. Hmm. Yeah, I bought some more of those too. Yeah, it's very good. Um, um, let's go to new music, shall we? Yeah. Oh, uh, of course, Brandon. We want to mention our friends at Cigar Hustler, located in Deltona, Florida. Uh, they have a fantastic store to go to. Great selection of cigars, boutiques, tried and true. Fantastic lounge to smoke in. Great customer service. Um just great atmosphere and if you can't get to deltona florida go to uh, cigarhustler.com get on their email list because you'll get information about the new drops and i would follow them on social media because i sometimes do that as well um and of course they have their own brand postani um very good cigars and uh, we were talking about the war bear early on but they got the connecticut the Ooh. habano the broadleaf connecticut toro man yep spc Ooh. you smoked out in the last show so, I did. Yeah, good guys. Uh, good guys. Uh, I'm still waiting for a phone call for them to call me during a show. By the way, uh, they um, and they didn't call me this week. <laughs> and I know they record on Monday. So, all I gotta say is that I'll forever be indebted to one Mike Shipinkevich, because not only is he a fellow Polish brother, and if you ever come to Australia, I found a place that has Polish sausage, and it's quite good. Oh wow, yeah, I know, which is hard to find. Uh but he is one of a dwindling group of people that will ship cigars to me in Australia. Yeah, and we, you know, we were not busting for ball. ninety dollars. We were doing a little banter on sponsors, right? And and they said, hey, you know, I said, hey, you guys are a sponsor, and they said, well, we don't really pay for it. And, and the answer is, no, they don't give us a cash check for that. But the value they give us of being able to get cigars for Dave is 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 very is, there is a value to us on that. We appreciate. There that. is. So they'd be uh, no show. They, they, no, really. And and look, let me say this. When I order from them, they take care of us. Um, they send me press releases. Some of them are usable. <laughs> like uh, but, you know, they're good guys. So uh, um, they have a lifetime uh, invite to the media compound. too. lifetime. But you make sure, like Coop said, you're on that. You're following them on social media. Yeah, because they do their drops. I just picked up or it's coming anyway. Some of the new Espinosa Sumatra, which I'm very excited. I to smoked try. it. I smoked it when I saw Hector. It's really good. It's. So I'm it's, very excited it's, to try that. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I smoked it with Hector down in Miami. So the they got yeah. new stuff. 
all the time, especially yep. if you like watch the Postani stuff. Yep, exactly. Um, they got that. Yep. Uh, let's go here. Let's go do music. So, Benny the Butcher, who is part of a rap collective with his cousins Westside Gun and Conway the Machine, Benny the Butcher with his song Abroad, which is off his new record, off of Everybody Can't Go. The record's called Everybody Can't Go. It's off of that. Benny the Butcher is sort of like in that vein of Pusha T. Like, people like listen to Pusha T. He raps mainly about cocaine, money, and rapping. That's basically what it is. He raps about cocaine, how much money he has, and how good a rapper he is. Which, hey, I could go on board with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great beats. Him and West Side Gun do this as well. They have these sort of like 70s soul samples that they have in their songs, which are really cool. Um, so check that out, Betty the Butcher. They kind of dropped that album. Um, I don't know if there's much fanfare around it. It was pretty but quiet. check it out. Now this, I got to talk to Coop about. Cheryl Crow, fresh off of Hall of Fame, has put out her lead, or her title track, Evolution, which is sort of the lead single. Um, it's I saw kind of a mix of adult contemporary and rock. I got to tell you, Coop, it didn't do a ton for me. Like, I couldn't really connect with it. It's not really what I'm looking for in Cheryl Crow, but it, it lacks that sort of emotionality and the rawness of her earlier stuff. However, her vocal's still good, so I'm still hopeful about the record. But the single, it doesn't have me super excited, but I'm still hopeful. Um, I mean, what did you think? Because you're a big Shell Crow. Yeah. Uh, um, so this, by the way, there is an album coming out March 29th. Yeah. That's going to be a big week for music releases, by the way. Jesus. Um, so she's already released Alarm Clock as the first one. Um, I got to listen to Alarm Clock a little more. I've listened to this one actually more than Alarm Clock. I thought this song started out lazy, to be honest with you. Mm. But it it doesn't stay lazy. But yeah, it doesn't have... It doesn't have that raw emotion piece. I'm going to agree with you on that uh, 100%. But this was supposedly, um, what do you call it? She was originally not going to release anything anymore is what I had found out. Oh, okay. But she kind of got, remember, I was wondering, Threads wasn't a great album, right? Which was the previous no. one. So apparently this is one of these, uh, this album was inspired uh, from sitting in a quiet uh, place, uh, sitting in a quiet place and writing from a deep soul place so okay um but i just didn't get that in this song for a title track no. i gotta be honest with you on it but i thought musically mm. it was a good track i gotta be honest mm. i didn't think it was, it was not billy joel's uh it was <laughs> i was talking on this one in the billy joel release so uh i want to see what the album delivers i gotta go back and listen to a long clock and by the way there's another single dropping the end the, i think it already dropped i think do it again okay. already dropped so I haven't listened to that one yet. But I think uh, I'll have to listen to him. Because like I said, it wasn't enough to put me off the record. Yeah. Like, I'm still interested in what the record yeah. has. Yeah. But it's missing that, like, what it's I fell in love with the Cheryl Crow stuff, you know? Yeah. Um. And, and I haven't listened to it just because I've been tied up with new oldies and a lot of yeah. archaeology. So uh, I have some catching up on music. And certainly I want to hear the uh, the two other tracks as well. Yeah, I'll I'll gotta give those. I didn't know the other one's dropping. I'll give that. A yeah, do it again. Just dropped. I think Friday. And people are like, "Well, what do you mean missing that stuff you love about Cheryl Crow?" Well, yeah. your album archaeology homework is probably one of the best 
albums of that decade being like the 90s. It's the one to put her on the map, this one, yeah. I can't believe I listened to this album again. I'm like, why didn't I pick this album in our Battle of the Bands thing? It's uh, Tuesday Night Music Club. I, I thought about it, and I didn't. I didn't God, it's one. good. I went against it's the women so artists good. not doing well, yeah. So you got Leaving Las Vegas, which is fire. I love right. that song. Strong enough, can't cry anymore. All I want to do, it's just, I just, just stop. Like it's just, it's just a great record, and I guess that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that raw, kind of no holds barred, Cheryl Crow. Yeah, I'm hoping she, she she has that. Yeah, you know she um, it's interesting. Remember, I had her on, I had her on the Now or Never, uh, on the Now or Never list. Uh, well, here you go. Right. Now and never have been panning out, by they the ha- way. They have been panning out. Um, but um, to be honest with you, I actually thought the Globe Sessions, which was two albums after Tuesday Night Music Club, was even the, was her strongest one. I put oh, Tuesday right. Night okay. Music Club second. Globe Sessions, God. in my opinion, is a uh, um, is a is just a complete masterpiece. Um, yeah. in my opinion, and then after that, it's been downhill for her. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, she, but she got in the hall of fame. I think they kind of re-energized her a bit. Um, so, um, but yeah, the, uh, but yeah, Tuesday night, Tuesday night was just that, that album came along at the right time in the, in music. I agree uh, with that. Yeah. And, and all I want to do was the song that put her on oh, the map, which was the fourth yeah. single actually. So leaving Las Vegas was the third single. And all it's I want to do song. All I want to do was the one that put her on the map with that. And it was four. It was, she was four into that. She really was, um, like I said, and, and the interesting, you know, the whole thing, it's kind of like an ad hoc group of studio musicians is what happened. That's yeah. Kind of like it was inspired. Can't Cry Anymore is so good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's a, yeah. It's uh, totally, totally. Uh, I agree. Man, Leaving Las Vegas. I remember listening to that song. I'm like, this is. Which it didn't get it. the really people went back to that song after um all I want to do um because it really I think it didn't even top I don't think Leaving Las Vegas even hit the top forty um, yeah I, I could see that yeah great so, song though it's a great song I agree um but I tell you what music industry listens to now and ever like Coops Mumford and Sons also they're doing stuff with Pharrell yeah yeah like they they uh they, they, they take def- notice they take notice yeah. Um, but that's all I got. Out of a, that was great album archaeology. No, good. This was Dave. I really appreciated we had a chance to do this album. I learned a lot from. It. I really enjoyed this album too uh, immensely. Uh, which is, I think, always the benefit I get from doing these shows is sometimes there's just something I don't listen to enough, and then you kind yeah. of steer me where. And this was this was not a disappointment. Uh, I really enjoyed this. So uh, good job, Dave. And I understand now why you've been high on this album for as long as I know you. Yeah. Yeah, no, great. I love it. I now now what I have to do, Coop, is I have to prepare my draft board for the uh upcoming uh 70s album draft. I gotta yeah, start so, doing my research. I gotta do well, my draft board. Yeah, we'll be 70s. We'll be drafting, I think early April is what we said, or maybe late yeah. March. Right. We have the PCA because Hector is gonna be like uh pulled in a million directions beforehand. So uh as and that as why. So I don't wanna actually run the, the voting until PCA is over because it's too distracting. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so Definitely. yeah, thank you PCA for screwing up our schedule this year. <laughs> with, with yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. 
But awesome, though. But uh, thanks to our audience as well for tuning in. Thanks for all the comments. Remember, uh, get our de get your dedications to us, please. Uh, um, because mm. we, we'll have that that show's coming up sooner than you think. Yep. All right. But that's going to wrap up Primetime Jukebox episode 121 into the annals of history for this post-Super Bowl edition. Um, we will catch everybody on the B-side. Take care, everybody.